Welcome to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. And hello, everybody. It's an absolute uh, pleasure to be back with you. Um, Today, I'm a little bit excited because today I get to speak with a woman who rocked my world a couple of years ago um, and has continued to rock my world in following all the work that she does. Uh, A couple of years ago, I was speaking at Agile Australia and one of their keynotes was the rather impressive Margaret Purvis, who is the CEO of the New York uh, Food Bank. And Margaret had a really, really interesting case study uh, to share around change, transformation and her organisation. And she's, uh, she's a repeat offender. People loved her so much she came back again this year and had more wisdom to share. <laughs> With very great pleasure that I introduce you to Margaret. Margaret, welcome to Conversations of Change. Thank you. Hello, Dr. Jen. <laughs> um, now, we, we could get into trouble on this call, so uh, <clears throat> we're, we're going to keep <laughs> focused for a little bit. Um, to start with, I, you know, I thought it would be really helpful because I've, I've heard your story a couple of times. Um, can you share with the listeners a bit of context um, what is the New York Food Bank? How big is it? What are, you know? Who do you serve? Just set up what it is that you lead. Yeah. So, Food Bank for New York City is a citywide anti-hunger, anti-poverty um, organization. Uh, we serve 1.5 million New Yorkers. Uh, the people who turn to us are people who are struggling to afford food or um, who are struggling to gain access to healthy, nutritious food. Um, They access the food that we provide through soup kitchens, which are charities that provide, obviously, a hot prepared meal, Mm -hmm. um, and food pantries. And a food pantry is a kind of you know organization where a family can go and actually find groceries, uh, things from cereal, rice, to even fresh vegetables, uh, frozen meats. Uh, it really runs the gamut. There are uh, close to a thousand, one thousand uh, of these charities that Food Bank for New York City serves. We deliver all of the food to them. Um, we use uh, volunteers to not only help us find great food that uh, could go to waste, but we also use volunteers to help repack food that people have donated to us to just make sure that we get the food that is actually able to be eaten or should be eaten and make sure that we're not passing things that really um, should not go any further. (laughs) So it um, it is a complicated, it's a complicated, um, a distribution model and organization, but I tell you, it is uh, a life's joy, Jen, for sure. For sure. And about how many employees and volunteers? So how many people do you have? Oh, well, we have about 200 full-time employees mm-hmm. uh, spread between four sites. We have four different locations around the city. Um, but then we also, oh my God, in any given year, we can have 
close to 18,000 volunteers, yeah. 18 to 20,000 volunteers who help us, who help us in just any given year. Yeah, that's, that's massive. Um, tell me, I'm, I'm really curious and I know a little bit of this, but I don't think we've actually had this chat in terms of what's yeah. been your history? How did you get to be in this position where you are now CEO of one of the most high impact um, charity organisations in America? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think my, my resume would probably I'd point to all of these other uh, charity jobs that I've had in the past where uh, I've always worked in human services. But if it's just between, you know, me and you, I would <laughs> tell you that my career really, honest to God, um, started uh, volunteering alongside my grandmother. Mm. Uh, my granny was... Um, she was what you call it, missionary Baptist. You know, we're we're from the South, we're from Mississippi, um, and my grandmother believed that you know faith, our faith was to be a verb, and she believed that the best way that you show your faith is through service to others, and uh, I apparently was the grandkid of her thirty-one grandchildren who agreed with her, <laughs> and I, I really liked serving beside her. I liked volunteering. Uh, she loved to feed people. She was like a, a, one of the best cooks ever. And I'm not just saying that because she's my grandmother. Um, yeah. But according to our preacher, who brought all the other preachers to our house on Sunday, <laughs> she's a really great cook. And uh, she just loved to cook for others. And if we had anything, uh, she would share it. And she made sharing um, a value in our family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, but then I have to say, my grandfather on the other side, uh, there'd be one argument I'd hear them saying all the time, Jen. Yeah. She'd want to help people. And he, he would say things like, woman, you're going to help us to the poor house. <laughs> so, you know, he would always be the person of balance, like, wait a minute. So I think that from her, I learned this love of giving and sharing. But I think from him, I learned, okay, uh, but <laughs> career-wise, you're going to need a trajectory. and and. I think I probably learned from him the idea of impact yeah. and um, and probably and the, the beauty of scale and just making sure that whatever you're going to do, let's try to do it as smart as possible. Yeah, nice. So nice. it's a combination of those two people. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, you had a really, really interesting story. Twenty, I think it was 2016 was your first visit um, to yeah. Agile Australia or for those in the US, Agile. Agile. Did I say it right? Agile? <laughs> you know how we go agile? agile? I, and I've been practicing. I've been practicing how to say agile. Agile. I love the way you guys say it, but yeah, in America it's just agile. Agile, <laughs> um, agile Australia. And you talked about how you had worked with Toyota to introduce Kaizen to uh, the yeah. food bank. Um, can you share a yeah. little bit about... How that came to light, so how, how did that come into your world and what the outcomes were? Yes. Well, I think part of why people kind of really love our story is because we tell the truth. I mean, I think it's so often when you're looking at a partnership with a charity and a corporation that you only tell all the awesome parts. And uh, this is where it was, and then this is you know where it ended up. And I like to make sure that people understand that the power of our Toyota relationship is really in the mistake in how it got started. Uh, meaning that 
yes, they were working with our charity, but there was like a year of the work where nobody really even knew it was happening mm-hmm. uh, because there were employees who were working on it, but they hadn't engaged leadership. Mm-hmm. And certainly for continuance improvement to happen, the leader has got to be involved. And so one of my favorite things I always tell people is the real start happened when I learned that Toyota was not happy. Yeah. I didn't even know they really had been working with us, but I ran into one of the executives and he told me the truth. And when I walked up, I said, hey, how are things going? And he said, not great. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, that got my attention. And he proceeded to tell me that, you know, he felt that the, organ- that the company was working with, with our organization and he thought it was going to be bigger and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what pulled me in and had me learn more. And, uh, and we were off to the races from there. And I really saw, I actually had the Toyota come in and more than just start with stop clocks and stopwatches and, and charts, they gave us the history of Kaizen. They helped us to understand, Jen, you know, where, where was the inspiration for continuous improvement? And I was so glad that they did that because it is so easy for people to get pigeonholed. You are a car manufacturer. We are a charity for the poor. But in learning the history, we got to see that our history was shared and that at the heart of Kaizen was really about a son's concern for his mother's back. And it was the concern that there had to be a way to not harm people, to not harm the person that he most loved. And I tell you, I got chills watching that history. And that's really where we saw the line. And from there is where we started looking for all the different ways that we could use the best that Toyota offers to the world to uh, embed in our mission so that we could offer the best to the charities we serve and the families who are on those lines. And I tell you, um, we, we're so fortunate to have so many gifts. But let me tell you, when a corporation uh, shares their secret sauce, Mm-hmm. With the human service organization, Jen, it is a it is a generosity, it is a, a grace that you can hardly really explain the yeah. power of. And so we just work really hard to honor it. We we work very hard to not just you know make sure that we are running a great organization, but I it's very important to me to honor Toyota's gift. Yeah, because they didn't have to do it. No, that's that's such a fabulous story. Um, are you seeing, I'm, I'm kind of curious around what are the trends that you are seeing with how companies like Toyota engage with not-for-profits or non-profits? So are there, yeah, yeah so what's kind of happening in that field? Well, you know what, I, it's funny. I thank God for millennials. I think uh, most corporations are seeing that they have got to have, A, they've got to do something to work in the community. They have to. But not just so much, not just writing a check alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials want a tangible, real experience in community. So I think that it is pushing leadership of companies um, to better connect uh, because people work so much and the work life is a part of your life and it is a, a significant part mm-hmm. and that people want the brand where they're giving their talent to be in greater alignment with their heart and with their values. Um, they want things where they can point to and say, we did that. Um, and so we have actually found that probably the highest growth place where we're having with our 
work with corporations is actually in custom service Mm -hmm. uh, where we sit with them. We explain to them the needs around the city and we actually customize experiences where they can be the most helpful. And uh, it's great for us (laughs) because, I mean, boy, we're really getting uh, an amazing, amazing lift uh, to the mission. But we're also seeing that our partners are just getting deeper involved. Um, They're more real to us. It's not just brand. I mean, we look at partners like Bank of America, like J.P. Morgan Chase, like all these brands that people certainly have heard of. But to us, it's Connie, it's Stephanie, it's Nareda, it's it's Jeff. Mind you, I'm I'm telling you the president, the senior most people. But at, to us, the names I just gave you, these are people who are actually chopping onions at my kitchen probably this week. Yeah. Um, and and more than just chopping onions, we now are seeing now that they understand our meal gap map. You know, something that we introduce where we're we look at hunger um, in degrees and we look at the communities that we know are suffering the most. And we ask these people to join us in partnership and strategy. And Jen, it's to watch them come at us saying, hey, more than, hey, we just want to do something for food bank. They're now coming to us saying, we saw the information on the South Bronx. We understand that one out of every two people is suffering with hunger and poverty. We would like to get meals to this neighborhood. That never happened. I'm going to say even up to two and a half, three years ago, Jen, that was not the way that corporations spoke to us. And now it's just, I don't know, they feel more like a partner. It's, it's, it's a really exciting time. Yeah. And I think, so if I understand it, the value for the corporate that you're talking about there is being able to live their values, their corporate values from their employee perspective. And retain their talent. Yeah, so I was going to... And, and retain the talent. Yeah, okay. So the value is also yeah. retention of talent uh-huh. that's important to them. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What What does that then mean for you? I'm, um, I'm curious how you view your role as a leader of change and transformation. Yeah. Well, I think uh, my role, number one, is uh, get on top of it or expect to not be here long. <laughs> I mean, the reality is that there's just now, there's a requirement for, uh, for change, for, for you to have an appetite, for you to have a nimble, a nimble disposition towards it. Um, as a, as a, there's a requirement for you to lead it and not allow it to happen to you. Um, so it's just something at Food Bank that we openly embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you what I have learned over time, and it's something I actually I credit uh, Toyota with as well, is when you have embraced change and when you have been, uh, you know, <laughs> up to process improvement, you know, up to your eyeballs, that you also have got to take a moment to pause. Mm-hmm. You have to pause and take a look because sometimes you can be changing so many different parts that you also have got to stop to say, why are we, why did we need to do this many changes? Is there something that is not as, as clear that may be more central to who we are as an organization, as a culture, to me as a leader that I now need to look at, Mm -hmm. you know, is there something that just may not be as obvious? And I will tell you, that's, that's really where we are now. 
Yeah. Um, you know, we now have been embracing this idea. We actually just had an all staff retreat and the theme was all about, uh, you know, we called it, we're basically excellent. And we basically, so at, at the end of the day, really about a theme of embracing the basics of excellence. Mm-hmm. And we called out four things, uh, four things that we consider to be the pillars for excellence for our organization. And the first one, first thing is to learn, um, then share, value, and improve. Because one of the things that I've started to become concerned about is that, you know, when you have become um, known for the impact of improvement, you don't want to end up with a culture or with a, an environment where new people coming in or even old people, people who've been with you, where where they don't feel or believe that they can still learn, that there's room for them to learn something new. Um learn from mistakes. Um, and so we've, we've been really very intentional about that, Jen. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's actually kind of fun. It's keeping me on my toes. I tell you that much. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> it really has. It really has. No, that's, that's super. Hey, um, one of the sessions at this year's Agile Australia, uh, it was a nice, it was an intimate, it was the second one, uh, not so not your keynote, but when you had the session where everybody came into the room and the, the more intimate conversation, you yeah. talked about making a point of not trimming the nails if the arm needs amputating, um, which I don't know if you remember <laughs> that. <laughs> it, 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 it was, uh, it kind of took the room by a little bit and we and I just wondered do you want to expand on that um and what that that saying means to you let me tell you I get to talk in so much I'll be the first to tell you I actually don't remember saying that it's not something I would have said but I don't remember I actually don't remember saying it but I agree with it so I must have said it um you know I just think that listen change can be hard yeah um your work, your work family can be, it's an intimate thing and you form relationships and sometimes you don't know that you have a sacred cow. You can think you don't have a sacred cow and you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a leader, I certainly have learned that, you know, you're there. If there's going to be a tough, tough choice or tough decision to make, it's my job to make it. Yeah. Um, and so what you don't want to do is to, you know, keep messing around and making the easy choices, Jen, when the reality can be that, you know what, we need to see change. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it can be things like you could have a, a great person who may be in the wrong role. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be a role that you as a leader are taking on and you should not and you must stop it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's taking those hard looks and, you know, we, we have this saying at food bank where we, it's like, we kind of keep each other honest by saying things like food bank first, food bank first for us means it is not about your preference. It is not about what you like. It is about what is the best thing for this organization. If you are honest yeah. and the fact that everyone has the ability to call food bank first card 
<laughs> it's that moment that tells everybody, okay, stop, stop. Something is going out of, out of order. And this person is showing love for our organization by bringing it to our attention. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we've done. And let me tell you, it is not easy. Um, it's not easy. Yeah. In fact, it's quite hard. It's quite hard. Um, but I have to tell you something. You know, when I when we look at the impact, we always remind ourselves, you know, one of the things that we did is we stopped counting pounds as our way to measure success. We started looking at meals and everything that we're doing, but how many more meals? And then we started going a little deeper to say where the meals went. Did the meals go to the poorest communities, housing the poorest charities, serving the poorest people? Like that became our new metric for success. Mm-hmm. And I think that once we got that new lens, Jen, mm-hmm. it helped, it made the hard decisions a little easier because we realized this is how we're serving our mission to the highest degree. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's made some things a little bit more palpable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in um, where, I guess, you're very open with sharing what the challenges are, right? Um, tell yeah, me about yeah. what you're most proudest of, what you celebrate in terms of your change leadership. Yeah. You know what? It's so cool that you asked me this because I just had this conversation with somebody and I did not know you were going to ask this. <laughs> Actually, just this, just this week, probably one of my favourite things ever is when we get to promote someone. And Jen, I can't tell you. I mean, when you see a person who maybe they started in one job and you will see them go through this journey where they're a person keeping us honest. Mm -hmm. They are a person who you see showing the way for others and having them like kind of take charge of, 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 who we are as an organization and calling it out with such passion and seeing them gain the respect or earn the respect of their colleagues. I, oh, I can't tell you. It just, it makes me so excited. I mean, just this week alone, there was a guy, there's actually two young men. One person's name is Jimmy and another person's name is Raphael. And both of them were guys who worked in our warehouse. One's been with us for seven years. Another's been with us for six years. They're both fathers. And they both were promoted this week. They're now management, you know, this is their first time ever being in a manager's job. And you know, we, we went through a whole, um, we created an actual management training program and, you know, we gave them plenty of time so they could practice things so they could be able to fail and be able to reflect on that and, and see what they've learned. And, and I tell you, sitting with them today and we're kind of going over some just kind of in, welcome to management things. And I'm, I'm listening to their feedback. And one guy said to me, he said, one of the best things that ever happened is that I didn't get promoted earlier. And I said, wait, what? And he said, yeah, I thought I was ready. He said, I thought I was ready. He said, but I clearly I wasn't. He said, I needed to work on myself. I needed to learn some new skills. And he says, but now I know I'm ready. And, and I tell you, I got goosebumps, Jen. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, because at the end of the day, listen, there's so many wonderful things that happen in a food bank and there's so many 
uh, uh, accomplishments that people will speak about and the pounds of food and those things are, those are things we should absolutely be really, really proud of. But you don't often get a chance to really share with people the heart palpitation you get from seeing yeah. a person accomplish something amazing and, and knowing that they are pivotal to our mission and that they know that they're pivotal and watching them walk in that. Oh my God, it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. It makes me giddy. It makes me giddy. It makes me proud. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's there's going to be another guy who's going to be promoted too. But he, I can say to you because there, he's not going to hear this podcast. But <laughs> when he actually started Profit Food Bank as a <laughs> no, he knows he's on the path. But uh, he started off as an intern, and this guy is about to become a vice president at our organization. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a good week. It's a good week. It's a good week. <laughs> Yeah, uh, when we when we finish this call, you're going to have to let me know timing of that, just in case he does listen to this podcast. <laughs> I will publish it after. Okay, good point. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Good point. Hey, here's a scenario for you. You yeah. are going into a performance review, and you're going into a performance review with Pretty Granny. And we know that she has driven you the importance of <laughs> faith as a verb. How would she advocate you improve as a leader of change? Well, you know what? Actually, I'm going to tell you, I really did get some real advice from uh, my other grandmother, my grandma, Victoria. Yeah. Uh, and it was advice that she gave me when I first started the job. And I did not realize how powerful the advice was and it was as simple as i told her i said grandma i'm going to be moving to new york i'm going to take this job i'm going back to the organization i was before and she's like in this you're going back to the same job and i said no ma'am i was the vice president then now i'm going to go in as a ceo i said do you have any advice for me i was kind of saying it jokingly and she looked at me and she says well you're the boss now right i said i will be the boss and she said be nice and I kind of chuckled like, okay, grandma. And so she looked at me, she said, I'm not joking. She's like, she's like, no, she said, she said, she said, she said, honey, you are the boss. She said, in that way you've won. She says, but the best boss can still be nice. And I walked away. Let me tell you something. This particular grandma was actually not known to be nice. <laughs> So I took that in, which meant that that was a really heartfelt lesson of life that she learned. And I've never forgotten it. And I tell you that, you know, when you have to deliver really hard news or, you know, no one wants to be a disappointment. No. No one wants to fail. So I think one of the things that for me for Change Matter is that I have readily stated to my team, I try my best daily to demonstrate to my team that failure is not um, the opposite of success. Failure is a part of success. Mm -hmm. Now, are we still wanting to be excellent and we're going to do our best job ever or or try always to do our best job? Of course. But you've got to leave room and appreciation for failure. And I think it's important for, it's, it's not even important for the person at the bottom to hear that. It's important to me that my leaders get that 
because I want to make sure that they are reflecting the same. I don't want their own anxiety mm-hmm. for the tasks within their area to create a bunch of stress and tension for the people who report to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try my best to use humor yeah. uh, all the time. I, my COO and I, Lord have mercy. We are, we can be so stressed. You have no idea, but we find a way to laugh every day. We will find something, even if no one else thinks it's funny, but us, um, that's been something that's been core to who I am and how I lead is that you got to have some levity. Um, you got to have levity and you, you got to have as much transparency as you can. And I, I, I think that that's something that whether, there it'd be my pretty granny or my grandma Victoria that they'd be pretty proud of. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Now, um, in terms of the levity and uh, for having the laugh every day, one of the things that I think distinguishes you <laughs> from a lot of leaders is your activity on Instagram. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right. And particularly, it's, it's not even a Margaret Corvus Instagram account. It's the CEO uh, CEO underscore food. We'll publish it on the on the blog, but you do it in raw, yes. right? And can you tell yes. us a little bit about that? Why that platform? What it is that you know? Why you started doing it, and what what you hope to to gain with that? Well, okay. So the yeah, the, the name is Food Bank Prez, and. I will say my Instagram presence is ever evolving. <laughs> I mean, there, there were times where everything was always, you know, policy this and policy that. Uh, but I definitely noticed that people connected more when I would just give glimpses of myself and just kind of who I am, because that's really, who, that's how I lead. Um, and I don't ever want a title to separate me from, whether it be the charities that we serve, those leaders, our volunteers, or even the families. Uh, you know, everybody should be lucky enough to have a grandma. Uh, every person should know the power of, of, uh, of de-stressing by gardening. Um, <laughs> some things, like I do some cooking videos that I put on my stories. I don't put those on the main page because I have a bunch of chefs following me and I don't want to be uh, corrected in front of everybody. So, <laughs> so those videos are actually between, you know, just between me and you and, you know, all of your followers. I started putting cooking videos up because my baby sister let me know that she wants to get married. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she wanted to get married. And so, but in the midst of her saying, I want a child and I want a husband. And I said, do you know how to cook? <laughs> and she says, no, I don't. <laughs> and I said, well, honey, you live in Mississippi. I don't know any men from Mississippi who are looking for women who don't cook anything. So the videos started out as a joke of me kind of walking her through steps. <laughs> and I suddenly, you know, we, we think we thought the videos were funny because it's always my, my music playlist and whatever I'm showing my sister how to cook. And suddenly it became a part of it. And it's just become something that's just kind of fun, Jen. I'm just, you know, at the end of the day, we're all people. We all take our take our shoes off one at a time. And if we're lucky enough, we have some really good meals and yeah. good music. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Um, hey, you have some pretty good culinary videos too, sister. I've seen some of the things there. Whoa, you have a mean dinner party. 
Yeah, cooking cooking is my passion. That's how I express my love for people. And yeah. I, that you know, that is my Zen space when when I can get into a really complicated menu. <laughs> <laughs> next, next time you're back in Australia and in Melbourne, we'll do a, a food bank pres special dinner party. How about that? Oh, I would love that. Because let me tell you something. You had a party soon after I left. And I'm like, what, what am I, chopped liver? She, <laughs> she didn't have the party when I was there. It was beautiful. <laughs> I would love that. I would love it. I would. Hey, hey, speaking I of... I love Australia, by the way. Yeah. I, I love Australia. Oh, my gosh. I really enjoyed everybody. I miss all of my cuzzy bros. <laughs> cuzzy bros. <laughs> quick, perhaps a quick shout-out. One, one of the wonderful things that you achieved in your visit was you inspired other people to use their superpowers for good. Uh, do you want to give a quick shout-out yeah. to the, the people who uh, who went on to do their own work with, with charities? Oh, my. Yes. I w let me tell you, probably one of my favorite things uh, the whole time I was there was a number of people who walked up to me. I, tr I tried to put it on my Instagram so you can go back. Anybody can go back to uh, uh, Food Bank underscore Prez. Um, it was so awesome watching the number of people who came by to tell me all the different charities that they adopted. Uh, people were telling me, I think there was one young lady, she was a doctor. She's actually going to be going back to, she's from India. She's going back to India and she's going to be starting a charity there. Uh, it, it just, I think I was almost a little overwhelmed. I did not expect to have that many people have such wonderful examples of things that they did. And um, there was uh, one, one gentleman and he actually emailed me before I came back to Australia to tell me all about the work he was doing with Oz Harvest. Yeah. And I got to visit them and, oh, let me tell you, every Australian should really be so proud of the work um, that's being done by Oz Harvest. They really are a wonderful organization. And we, I was able to go in and sample the food. It was so delicious <laughs> and see their different models. And it, 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 let me tell you, I, I actually think that, um, and I don't even know that I've had a chance to tell them this. I'll tell it, say it, say it to you. The visit to Oz Harvest changed my organization. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were having a conversation, and uh, I made a comment about money that we saved at my soup kitchen. I was so proud about it, um, Jen. And I watched one of their one of their leaders. He kind of had this look on his face, and I'm. You know me, I like to just call it out. I was like, whoa, you just judged me. What was that about? And he's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't judge you. I said, yes, you did. Why did you judge me? What's going on? And he says, well, I'm sitting here thinking, why are you spending money on food? Why don't you just cook what you have? And it sounds like such a simple, simple thing. But I looked at him and I said, cook what I have. Why am I not cooking what I have? <laughs> and I. No, really. I called my team members. I don't remember what time it was there. I called my team members from Oz Harvest. And I said, I think I just heard something revolutionary that may be a message to us from God. And we're going to change how we're doing things at that kitchen. And let me tell you, we're no longer spending money on food um, at our kitchen. We cook what we have. And we've been saying to even food donors, 
we don't have enough food. Give us more so we can cook what we have. And it's become a rallying call yeah. um, in just a couple of months. So I, I'm very, I'm very grateful to uh, Oz Harvest and to um, our friends in Australia. It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and we, we don't take, we don't take that feedback lightly. No, that's, that's, wonderful. that's wonderful. All righty. All good things must come to uh, a temporary end. <laughs> As a way of, of wrapping this up, Margaret, yeah. how, how can yeah. our listeners help you? What, how can our listeners give back for all the tremendous work you have given to others? Well, I think the first thing anybody can do is if there's anything that you've heard me say that inspires you or makes you curious, you need to pursue that. Mm -hmm. um, everybody can be helpful uh, to the most vulnerable in your community. The first thing that's required is to see them. If you can just be willing to see the most vulnerable and choose to do anything, uh, that, that would make me the most proud. And I think that'd be the most helpful. Uh, if you're coming to America, come on by New York City and, and visit us. Uh, uh, if you want to send a long distance dollar, we certainly will receive it. Uh, Foodbank.nyc.org. Uh, um, or, uh, look, we can always be invited to come back to Australia. I love it so much. <laughs> but in all, in all seriousness, there's nothing. There's nothing that probably moves us more than to hear that People took something from our story, Jen, mm -hmm. and decided to act locally and decided to be of help to another charity. Because let me tell you, people who know change management, people who know um, agile, people who know how to make a process uh, better, smarter, faster, mm -hmm. you are needed and you are needed where people are the most vulnerable. So anything that you want to share with with our global community is just a beautiful gift. Well, that, that sounds fabulous. I can uh, let you know that about 35% of the audience of this podcast are actually Americans, so they may not be long distance, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love that. Could make it a little bit easier for those. Well, then come visit our site, foodbanknyc.org. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I will, for, for those who are looking for an A-class speaker, um, you know, as a keynote at your conference, and I imagine whilst Margaret has shared her story on Kaizen and Toyota, what you've heard in this podcast is she has so much wisdom that she can impart in such a wonderfully engaging way. Um, you won't get a better keynote speaker for uh, for your conference, oh, wherever you are in the world, wherever the world. Not, 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 not. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Okay, then. I'm going to uh, to wrap this one up. Leaders, uh, listeners, if you have enjoyed this, I, um, I would really encourage you to share it widely. So uh, whether that means going to iTunes, leaving a review so others can find it, or share it on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, your, even your internal platforms, I, um, I would encourage you to do that so more people can get the goodness of Margaret Purvis. Margaret, thank you so much for your time. This has been beyond an honour to speak with you. Thank you for having us, Jen. You know you are my sister from another mister. <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. <laughs> You've been listening to A Conversation of Change with Dr. Jen Fram. 
You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter at Jen Fram or LinkedIn? 